0: With some of the best promotions and offers in the sports betting market, PointsBet simply stands out. PointsBet is the only U.S. online bookmaker to offer points betting, where every yard, every point, every goal, even every play matters. Same-game parlays, good karma payouts, early payouts, and exclusive game day promotions and guarantees for all sports. PointsBet offers more bet types than any other bookmaker in the world, offering a unique set of markets that aren't available anywhere else. And now PointsBet is offering one of the best sign-up offers in the sports betting market today. New customers signing up with code BET21 receive two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Get up to $500 back if your first fixed odds bet loses, and up to $1,500 if your first points betting bet loses. That's code BET21 for two risk-free bets up to $2,000 at PointsBet. PointsBet, it pays to be fast. You must be 21 years or older, and in New Jersey, to place a bet. terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to House of Cards. Dave Weishado with you here, deep from the swamps of Jersey. We got a great show coming up for you. The gambling industry is reopening more and more with each passing week, and that means the sports betting business deals are heating up. One of the biggest deals in the sports betting industry happened last week with Better Collective acquiring the Action Network. We're going to find out all about this deal and what it means for the sports betting industry because we are going to talk with Adam Small from Better Collective and usbets.com. If you're a sports bettor, you have probably come into contact with both these great companies, and we're going to find out what this acquisition means for you. So stick around. We'll be right back with House of Cards.
1: If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800 231 9279. That's 800 231 9279. 800
0: 231
1: 9279.
0: You know, ever since the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its decision lifting the national ban on sports betting, the gambling landscape of the country is changing on a daily basis. So, how do you keep up with all the latest news and developments? How do you know what each state is doing? You go to the one site that has all the information you need to stay ahead of the game, and that site is usbets.com. That's U-S-B-E-T-S dot com. Written by the leading experts in the gambling industry, all you'll need is one visit to usbets.com, and you'll see why it's the number one gambling magazine in the USA. With usbets.com, you'll get up-to-date information on not just the sports betting scene, but also the latest news and notes on the entire gaming industry all across the country. It's not just one state, it's all of them in one spot. Stay in the loop and stay on top of your game. Get the latest news on sports betting and gambling from the country's number one gambling magazine. Get on over to usbets.com. That's usbets.com. You're listening to House of Cards i'm talking sick piles of money i'm talking lay on your bed in your vegas room throw the money in the air and dance as it
1: showers down on you, money i'm talking frosted glass limo money i'm talking big
0: cowboy hat silver turquoise buckle money i'm talking gambling
1: i am in love
0: with you Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaw with you here. The gambling industry is reopening more and more every week, and the sports betting deals are coming at a fast pace. One of the biggest that just occurred is Better Collective's acquisition of the Action Network. And to tell us all about this huge deal and what it means for the sports betting world from usbets.com and Better Collective, we have returning guest Adam Small. Adam, thanks for joining us, and congratulations to you and everyone at Better Collective on this incredible deal.
3: Yeah, thanks, Dave. Great to be back. It's always uh, awesome to be on this show. I love this show oh, and nice. um, appreciate how much support you guys are always giving us. Um, yeah, it's exciting. I am I mean, uh, I was telling you, telling you before the call, and I'll say again for the listeners, I'm not one of the people that's responsible for having made this deal happen or anything, so I don't want to be uh, giving myself <laughs> too much credit or anything like that, but I am um, part of the same company and Really excited to be working with these guys and excited about uh, what Better Collective is doing, um, having first acquired my company a couple of years ago and and now this one. And it's just clear that they've got a lot of uh, big plans for growth in the U.S. and to become a name that more and more people recognize here on this side of the pond.
0: You know, uh, people who listen to this show hear me say Better Collective all the time because we have some of the great writers on from USBets.com, SportsHandle.com, uh, PenBets, and all their affiliated sites. But for people who are casual participants in the sports betting world, can you tell us a little more about Better Collective?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's probably something that I think the the average person who's into sports betting isn't particularly aware that companies like ours exist or exactly what we do. But uh, what we are uh, is, a, is a big media, media organization in the sports betting and gambling world that uh, covers sports betting and gambling around the world uh, in a number of different formats. In some places, there are websites that do things like try to help people with making smart betting decisions. In other places, there are subscription products, including uh, one of ours, RotoGrinders.com, which offers subscriptions yeah. for daily fantasy sports, uh, as well as uh, Vegas Insider, which offers premium products surrounding sports betting and, and other products as well that, that we're involved with here in the U.S., but there are also subscription products around the world. We do um, paid media. We do uh, news coverage for the industry. There's just a uh, better collective has thousands of websites in various markets all around the world that cover the industry. And uh, while they're based in Denmark, they have offices. We have offices in, in many countries around the world, including now several in the United States. And uh, we exist within the sports betting and gambling ecosystem Uh, as a company that both provides media and coverage and products around the industry, but also helps bring new customers into the industry and to our uh, gambling site partners uh, via what's called affiliate marketing. And that's, that's how we generate revenue. It's, It's basically a form of advertising where we get paid rather than by, rather than for showing ads to people, we get paid for each new customer that we send. So we focus on, acquiring new customers for our gambling industry partners.
0: You know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because we always get more and more questions at the show about the sports betting, the business side of sports betting and how companies operate in the industry. I I mean, we always throw around terms like CPA deals or revenue sharing deals, but can you get into a little more how better collective does business in the industry?
3: Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned CPA and rev share deals. That's a good place to start. I've, written quite a bit about this personally over the years because I've been involved in affiliate marketing for pretty close to 20 years now. Uh, So in affiliate marketing, there are several different ways that you can be compensated as an affiliate. One way is by CPA, which is cost per acquisition. And that's where you simply get paid a flat fee for each new customer that you send. And the CPAs can vary greatly depending on what products you're promoting and what countries you're promoting them in. And and what kind of players you're sending, they, they vary, very, very tremendously between different affiliates and different markets and so on. But that's that's effectively what it is. If you send a 1,000 players, you get paid a 1,000 times, whatever that number is. Uh, on the other hand, there is something called revenue sharing that I think a lot of people have heard of but maybe don't necessarily understand entirely, which is rather than getting paid for each customer you send – you get a percentage of revenue that those customers generate after you send them and uh, typically uh, it's only really available these days to bigger affiliates at least in the US Uh, you've got to pay a lot of money just to get licensed to be a revenue sharing partner in uh, in most states but even in Europe now it's much less common than it was 10 or 15 years ago Uh, the contracts are complicated and as an affiliate in order Really protected, uh, have your business interests protected. You really need to be spending a fair amount of money up front on legal costs, and so uh, I, I think these days probably more affiliates are doing CPA. Definitely in the US, that's the case. But both of these are, are ways of doing this kind of this kind of marketing, and uh, the biggest difference is that you know I think from from the casual listener perspective, they think that when an affiliate's getting rev share that they're, you know, rooting for their players to lose that you're trying to send players who lose money or trying to give in the case of sites that give sports betting tips, trying to give bad advice uh, (laughs) in order to (laughs) get people to lose money. And that's really not the case. Uh, I, I think that's a popular perception among, especially certain people on gambling Twitter that like to grumble a lot about affiliates is that they're trying to make people lose money. Uh, look, this business is not about giving money to players. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, gambling business is not about bringing in players who you will then give money to and let them cash it out. Uh, gambling sites and casinos are trying to win money off customers, and they expect when they receive a new customer, whoever that is, that the gambling site is going to be profitable against that customer, whether it's sports betting, uh, casino, poker, or whatever. There aren't uh, a whole lot of players that are cashing out more than they're depositing. And that's uh, that's pretty transparent in this business. So when you're an affiliate and you send hundreds or thousands of players every month, uh, on average, those players are going to be losing players. It's not because you're giving them bad advice. It's because these products are entertainment products that are not intended for people to be profiting off of them. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of difference in terms of how you recruit players uh, based on whether you're on rev share or CPA. The biggest difference is that one of, these, one of these types of compensation you get paid up front for players that you send, and the other type of compensation you get paid over time as they generate revenue.
0: Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side.
1: No matter what kind of car you drive, we have an insurance policy that's right for you. Need to insure your family minivan? We've got you covered. Need insurance for that new sports car you finally got? We've got you covered. Have an old beater that just won't quit? We've got you covered. Or maybe you hit the lottery and want to insure all your new cars? We've got you covered. Call Auto Insurance for Less to find out how much you can save right now. All it takes is just one call. Answer a few questions, and before you know it, we've got you covered. Call 1-800-679-0366. That's 1-800-679-0366. Auto Insurance. You want it, you need it, and we've got it. Call Auto Insurance for Less to find out how much you can save today. Better coverage at a better price is just a phone call away. Call 1-800-679-0366. That's 1-800-679-0366.
0: You're listening to House of Cards. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end
2: of the day. No way. I'll give you 3-to-1 odds. No. 5-to-1. No. 10-to-1. You're You're on.
0: Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weisshuttle with you. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Adam Small from usbets.com and Better Collective. You know, we're coming out of a very challenging time in the sports betting and gambling world, but Better Collective really finished strong revenue-wise at the end of 2020. And for the first quarter of this year, the revenue figures were very strong. I think they grew in the first quarter by 86% from this time last year. How did Better Collective and the gambling sports betting industry weather the pandemic and did they do better than they thought they would do when the pandemic started
3: it's been a wild ride over the last 14 months or so i guess we're speaking here in mid may the pandemic really uh, started heating up in mid-march last year so it's been about 14 months better collective stock was sitting over a little over 100 uh it's in swedish kroner so it's about uh 100 kroners about 11 dollars it was sitting around there, went all the way down to about 45 mm-hmm. Swedish kroner, uh, and then now it's sitting at about 240 as of the time of this call, and uh, and so it's it's gone up almost uh, I guess more than five x since its low point, and uh, it's it, it's been a very wild ride in the stock. They I think just like the stock market in general in the U.S. When we saw the Dow Jones go down to. Uh, you know, below twenty thousand before now being up in the mid thirties somewhere. Uh just stocks took a big tumble when the pandemic began and Better Collective wasn't immune to that. But uh business wise, I think the plan was always solid. Uh the guys that run the company have always had their eye on the future. They they think long term and they try to stay calm at the fluctuations that life brings. Uh the pandemic was obviously a big a big hurdle for businesses all around the world, and in a business that depends on live sporting events actually happening, when sports completely grind to a halt for several months, it's very, very tough on the business. And I think short term, in the middle of all that, revenue took a massive hit. It went down by, you know, a massive, yeah. a massive chunk of what was expected, and uh, there, there had to be some plans made for the interim here in the U.S. We were fortunate. Uh, our company was a recipient of a PPP loan, uh, which helped us not have to do any cutting of staff or anything like that. Um, it was it was a good uh, good program for us that helped us maintain everyone. And, and then when sports came back, we were able to really pick things back up. But uh, once sports did start again in July of last year, I guess it was June, and then July kind of was when it really started picking up and and especially once NFL made clear that they were going to have their full season and was able to do it, uh, our business was was really well-prepared to take back off. And we had our best our best season ever in the fall of last year. Better Collective Internationally had a great, great final quarter of last year and great first quarter of this year. And uh, I think uh, people spent a lot of the time in that early pandemic while stuck at home uh, those who could worked really hard on preparing for the coming seasons. They, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag for me and people like me that have kids that uh, you know had to juggle having our kids at home all the time with work. But uh, we all managed to, I think, do a pretty good job and and come out on the other side looking looking pretty good with uh, just the prep that we did in that downtime and the way things picked back up once once sports came back.
0: I want to get to the big deal that made news all over the world, and that is Better Collective's acquisition of the Action Network. I, I'm always curious how these business deals get initiated. I'm reading a book right now about the acquisition of Caesars, and that business deal started with a friendly conversation. How did discussions mm-hmm. about acquiring Action Network get started? Because for me, it, is, it seemed to come out of the blue.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably not the um, not the best person to ask. I wasn't uh, wasn't involved in that part directly, but. I know, um, I know how they got started for acquiring us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're right that it is, in some ways, I think usually a kind of casual conversation for these things. I've been involved in a couple of acquisitions. I've been involved in buying a couple of companies. And I've been involved in, in selling a couple of companies. And uh, I can tell you that it doesn't start off with, Well, at least most of the time, it doesn't start off with somebody flying in 10 business executives to your (laughs) office and, you know, having a big like bow tie meeting with all of them. Um, that, that would just seem a little over the top to me. It's usually more like at least the experiences I've had, the first conversation has almost always been at a conference, like, uh, something like G2E or ICE in London or, um, you know, the, uh, the couple of the, the conference in New, New York or New Jersey sure, that they have sure. for sports betting. And uh, I, I think that the first time that, that we met with Better Collector was in Amsterdam about a year before we finalized that acquisition. It was just like, I think there was a dinner and uh, a little bit of chat and kind of get to know you type of session. Um, I've had those kinds of those kinds of meetings breakfasts or dinners at conferences with companies that didn't end up acquiring us or that we didn't end up acquiring as well. Um, and those kinds of casual chats and, and yeah, the way it usually goes down is you, you get together because someone's got an interest in, in meeting you or you've got an interest in meeting them and you find a way to catch up. And maybe it's just for coffee or a meal, but you, you talk, you get to know each other a bit and, I think that helps, especially in the case of a buyer, but also in the case of a seller, Um, it helps the party get to understand if this is a company that they wanna do business with, especially when you're selling something for as much money as Action Network just sold for, which was uh, about a quarter billion dollars, or almost a quarter billion dollars. It's such a huge life-altering event for the stakeholders and really for everybody involved uh, down to, you know, the the lower level, kind of entry level type people in the company, it, it's a big event for everyone because they're going to have a new employer, uh, their lives are going to change a lot over time. And uh, it's very important to everyone who's built that business up to the point where it's worth that much that they get this right. And so, yeah, before you start doing due diligence and getting lawyers involved, sometimes it's just nice to sit down and get a feeling for is this someone that I want to uh, even consider getting married to, right? Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's like a first date. Uh, it's, it's it's a very good analogy is the first date thing long before the uh, the marriage proposal. So um, I would say that, you know, in the case of an action network, while, while I wasn't part of those early discussions, uh, Better Collective is – really good about always being connected with everyone in the industry and putting lots of flyers out and communicating with people and and I'm sure that it started out with fairly casual talks and well, the part I'm interested in that I'm that I'm not privy to but I'd be really interested to know about is, is how it all went down given that nobody has been traveling I, I think yeah. collectives had a pretty much full- on halt on business travel and their top executives are pretty much all based in Denmark meaning, uh, you know, if Action Network was all in the U.S., I'm I'm pretty much assuming that there were no in-person meetings. I don't know that for sure, but uh, I'm kind of assuming that. And that definitely, uh, that had to make things more challenging because I know in our case, uh, I was out in Denmark, I think it was about two months before we got the deal done uh, with my partners. And they also came to Nashville a couple of times and we had a whole bunch of uh calls as well but there was uh, i think they put a lot of priority in coming and seeing our office and seeing what our operation was like and getting to know some of us in person and and i guess in this case they just had to do it differently
0: okay hold that thought we're gonna take a quick break see you on the other side
1: Tax Solutions Now is a complimentary referral service that connects callers to companies that provide tax services. I paid a fraction of what I owed. Call now to reduce or even eliminate your back taxes. I called Tax Solutions Now and got the IRS off my back. Thanks. You saved us a ton of money. Money matters. How much can Tax Solutions Now save you? Call now and find out. Call 800-683-7377. 800-683-7377. 800-683-7377.
0: It's getting warmer outside, and the action is really starting to heat up on the tables at Party Poker in New Jersey. Sign up with code Exit Seven A and take advantage of Party Poker's new sign-up offer of twenty-five dollars free, plus a first deposit match up to six hundred dollars, and start playing poker online today. Daily tournaments, cash games, sit and goes. The Party Poker U.S. network offers players an opportunity to participate in their favorite poker tournaments online every day, all day. And don't forget about their Sunday tournament featuring thirty-five thousand dollars in guaranteed prize money. So head on over to NJ. Partypoker.com and sign up today with our promo code EXIT7A. New customers get $25 free when registering, plus you also get a first deposit match up to $600. That's code EXIT7A to get your $25 free when registering and your first deposit match up to $600. The cards are in the air at PartyPoker.com in New Jersey. Must be 21 and over and located in New Jersey. New patrons only. Gambling problem call 1 800 gambler Unlock your best self with the Life Hack Pack from More Labs. The Life Hack Pack contains two bottles of Morning Recovery, two bottles of Dreamwell and two bottles of Liquid Focus. The Life Hack Pack is specially designed to help you live your life not just better, but smarter. Morning recovery is designed to be taken while drinking or up to an hour after your last drink. DreamWell is designed to be taken 30 minutes before you're ready to fall asleep. And Liquid Focus is designed to be taken 30 minutes before you have to lock in and get stuff done. Supercharge your productivity at home or work with the Life Hack Pack for more labs. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards, with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of May 24th, 2021. New Jersey's iGaming industry reported a slight decline in revenue for the month of April. Total revenue for online gaming amounted to $107.7 million, a decrease of only $6 million from March of this year. The state's online poker industry also reported a decline from the prior month, with revenues falling nearly 11% in April. Pimlico Racecourse reported a record handle for this year's Preakness Stakes, which finished the day with the upset win by the 11-1 Rombauer. The 14 race card generated a total handle of just over $112.5 million. The previous record for the Preakness had been set back in 2019 with a handle of $99 million. And finally, Atlantic City welcomed one of the largest arcades you will ever visit in your life. The $7 million Lucky Snake at Showboat opened last week. The complex, located on the floor of the former Showboat Casino, features an arcade, an esports gaming area, entertainment venues, and a sports bar with a boxing ring. Sounds like the boardwalk's going to be fun this summer. I've any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation, send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. You're listening to House of Cards. Check out our website at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Welcome back to House of Cards. Day-Wide with you. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Adam Small from USBets.com and Better Collective. I got to tell you, the Action Network is such a great site, and truth be known, I have the app on my phone right now because it helps me keep track of all (laughs) the bets I make during the day. But why do you think it was so attractive for Better Collective as a property, and why do you think the Action Network would be a valuable property to acquire?
3: Well, I think it's an incredibly valuable property, and I think it's, it's just starting to scratch the surface of its potential because they're really... Just starting to amp up their affiliate marketing side. They've been doing really well with, with products and subscription products for quite a while, but they're starting to, um, to really realize their potential on the other side as well. And, uh, I think that revenue wise, it's clearly a good bet for them. But the other thing that I really like about it is you put it in contrast with some properties that, that some other companies have acquired that, are more like the kind of properties that do well in search engines and thereby are able to uh, to send a lot of players and make money. But their their websites or products that aren't very well known generally. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that those kinds of websites are, are very dependent on on Google to be able to make money. And even if they're run by very intelligent people who are very good at search engine optimization. Uh, they're, they're subject to the, the whims of this one company, basically Google, yeah. to, uh, you know, continue having their success and generating revenue on the way that they are. And, and single events, big changes in Google's algorithm, penalties, things like that, can, can cost the value of those websites millions of dollars. Whereas something like Action Network that, um, has such a strong PR arm and strong product arm, And is so well known publicly and employs famous uh, sports journalists and just has so much reach already, even after only operating for a couple of years. Something like that is a much better long term bet. And it's why I think that it's better to spend a quarter billion dollars on that than it is to spend 20 or 30 million dollars on a strong revenue generating website that doesn't have much reach and is just mostly uh, you know, a product of search engine optimization. So, um, and we do that search engine optimization too. We do that kind of stuff as well, but I think that these products that that are really well known and that can become something that the public is familiar with and uses are so much more valuable over time. this acquisition showed to me that better collective is still thinking about three to five years down the road and not, just today because sports betting is going to keep growing in the U.S. There are still only about uh, 10 or so states that have uh, statewide mobile sports betting, mm-hmm. and that, that number is going to grow. It's going to be in many states around the country five years from now, uh, including big states. I think that states like Ohio, New York, and, uh, and Florida – are already showing signs it's going to happen pretty soon in some form or another. And eventually Texas and California will figure it out. And and, uh, most of the bigger States in the country are going to have this product eventually. And and if you get ahead and make these acquisitions, even if they sound expensive today, uh, you can be really sitting on a bargain in the future when you keep building these products up better. And eventually you have bigger markets to promote to.
0: Now, this was Better Collective's biggest acquisition in the U.S. market. How will the Action Network fit in with the other properties that Better Collective has within the United States?
3: Yeah, it's the biggest acquisition ever by uh, quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, it was a a big deal for them. Uh, I would say that as of now, at least based on what I've been told, it's going to be run completely separately from the rest of the U.S. stuff. Uh, They're going to maintain their own organizational structure and their own offices and their own staff and not heavily intermingle with the rest of the company for now. That doesn't mean that we won't we won't find synergies and work together. I've already had calls with people at action and expect to have more of them. And uh, we're going to find ways to help each other and and make each other better. But they're not fully integrating operationally into the rest of Better Collective as of now.
0: For people like me who have Action Network app on their phone or subscribers to the Action Network, what can they expect in the coming months with regard to the Action Network? I mean, I get on to check my bets. Will there be a video of you telling me my Phillies game is losing? Because uh, if that (laughs) that happens, I want to know in advance.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, completely in tune with their product roadmap or anything mm-hmm. like that. But what I will say is that from everything I've heard, I wouldn't expect anything to change in a big way on action network from how it's been based on this acquisition. I would expect, uh, things to continue rolling out the way they have been understanding that it's the same management staff in charge. That's always been there or that's been there at least, uh, you know, going into this deal and, uh, and that whatever plans that they've had for their business and for their products are going to continue as such. And, uh, over time, definitely, I think, uh, you know, they'll be getting advice from others within the organization on, on how to keep improving things. But for the most part, it's going to be, uh, you know, Patrick Keene is the CEO of action and, uh, still is going to be going forward. Uh, I would expect everything mostly to be coming from, from him and, and the team that he's built there.
0: According to sources quoted in the Wall Street Journal, there was a competitive auction for the Action Network. And according to those sources, two of the companies who were involved in the bidding were DraftKings and Fandle. I know a lot of media companies are doing deals with sportsbook operators. Do you think that's in the plans for a better collective in the future? To
3: do. Deals directly deals with, with operators, with, yeah. you mean?
0: Yeah. Do you think that's uh, – I mean, you never say never, but do you think Better Collective, uh, that's in the plans for Better Collective later on? Or are there pros and cons to something like that?
3: It's an interesting It's an interesting thought. Um, I've thought about this as well. Uh, I, I First of all, just backing up for a second, I thought it was pretty remarkable that Better Collective was the winner of this <laughs> – yeah. uh, you know, auction, so to speak, just because FanDuel and DraftKings, and especially DraftKings, they're just, they're so aggressive with their spending that uh, you would think that they would be able to pay a, a higher premium on something like, I mean, we know that they bought this already, right, for a $100 million, yeah. which, um, as far as I know, was in a much more precarious Revenue and cash position than uh, than the action network. I'm not completely sure about all the details of that, but my understanding was that they were in a much more precarious position. And uh, and so it's very uh, very interesting to me that Better Collective came away with this one when we know that some of these operators, and particularly DraftKings, were at least interested. I'm not sure how far along they got in those talks, but um, obviously, you know, Action was going to go to. I guess the combination of whoever offered the most money and, and the most attractive situation going forward, and they ended up deciding it was better collective. Good for us. Yeah, right. um, So, I, I uh, as far as Better Collective combining with an operator, there's a couple things about that. There are a couple things about that that would make it very tricky. Yeah. One is uh, there's no operator, as far as I know, that is uh, you know the uh, the main operator all around the world. Uh, one of Better Collective's very biggest partners, for example, if not biggest internationally, is Bet365, which um is in New Jersey and in uh, a couple other markets in the U.S., but is nowhere near one of the dominant players in the United States so far at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh They are, on the other hand, of course, a very dominant player in several other markets around the world, including the U.K. and uh much of Europe and, I believe, Asia. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of a tricky proposition to think of Better Collective, which is a company worth more than a billion U.S. dollars, uh, going and getting acquired by a specific operator, or you know, doing a kind of like exclusive partnership with one when it's got so many different properties that serve so many different markets. Mm-hmm. So um, my my general thinking is that's not going to happen. Better Collective is a public company. They're going to continue focusing on trying to be independent and grow and um, improve upon what they are, grow their share value, and, and so on. And, and that's what I would expect over time is that they try to just be a continually growing company, taking advantage of new market opportunities in growing areas like the U.S. and potentially Canada if they legalize sports betting uh, as, as there's talk of them doing it. And uh, and and you know other growth opportunities around the world, and not focus on getting acquired or, or partnering exclusively with anybody.
0: When it comes to affiliate marketing, revenue sharing deals, CPA deals, what do deals like this mean for the sports betting industry? I mean, will we start seeing a change in the way companies in the sports betting business conduct business differently?
3: That's a good question. I, I'm really interested in this topic because uh, it affects a lot about what I do day to day, and you know our our own prospects in business. And uh, I definitely do worry that too much industry consolidation is probably not the best thing for certainly for us, but also for for customers, for operators, for everybody. When a few companies do get too big, uh, it becomes problematic for pretty much everyone else. And, uh, and, and so I do worry about it, particularly on the operator side. I think, uh, we're not at that point with affiliates yet where new, newer affiliates are blocked out. It's, it's easier. They, the uh, barrier to entry to become an affiliate is much, much lower than the barrier to entry to become an operator. But, uh, I worry particularly about much operator consolidation. Uh the thing with uh Flutter, which is the parent company of FanDuel and Betfair, and now Poker Stars and CrownBet yeah. Bet and Skybet and uh um, <laughs> you know pretty much any other sports betting brand you can name. I mean I feel like they own everything. Uh but when they when they merged with the Stars group, which owns PokerStars and Boxbet and uh and yeah, Skybet and a bunch of other stuff and basically i think they were already maybe the two or two of the three biggest sports betting and casino companies in the world uh that one really concerned me so far they haven't really combined their operations yet but i'm sure it's coming over time and they've just got such a heavy footprint in horse racing with tvg and with um, you know, retail sports betting in europe with bet fair and some of those brands with online sports betting in the US, with FanDuel and Fox Bet, with poker, poker stars being the biggest in the world, um, with media, with the whole Skybet thing, they're just they're so heavy in everything all around the world that it feels like one of these conglomerates that's going to be bad for everyone else in their ecosystem <laughs> at some point. And, uh, you know, we haven't felt the effects of that yet, at least noticeably. We have a really strong partnership with a bunch of their brands, but also with other competing brands like DraftKings and BetMGM and and Rush Street and many others. But uh, I I do worry that just all this consolidation over time can only be a bad thing. On the other hand, um, it does encourage new people to come into the market in some ways, because if you don't. If you don't believe you can ever be number one or top three in a market, the incentives to join are somewhat minimal, unless you believe you can be acquired by one of the bigger players eventually. Well, on the operator side, I'm saying specifically because it's hard to become profitable anytime soon. When you join, you're just you're you're uh, you're shedding cash early on, and uh, the, the prospect of getting acquired for you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars is is an attractive, uh, you know, incentive to create a new business, and I think that's good for everyone. But, yeah, I do worry eventually that you know, these guys are just going to get so big that they're not going to need anybody else and, and just kind of run roughshod over everybody.
0: Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. You're listening to House of Cards.
1: Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? (laughs)
0: Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Adam Small from usbets.com and Better Collective. Well, let me ask you about the marketing aspect of it. I mean, recently I've been reading reports from Nielsen on the amount of sports betting industry is putting into television commercials in local markets. I think one of the stats was sports betting commercial ad buys is now one of the biggest ad categories in the country. I think Nielsen reported it as 11th top market or something like that. When it comes to advertising like that, do you think Better Collective or the Action Network or any of the sports betting media companies will start going that route in the future of like traditional television advertising? Or do you think they've been successful and right now they should keep marketing the way they've been marketing themselves?
3: Well, I think that there's going to be there are going to be some issues eventually with all this, because you're right that uh, the, the ads are they can be out of control and we saw what happened with Daily Fantasy 5 or 6 years ago when when DraftKings and FanDuel both spent at least one week during the NFL season as the number one advertising brand in the entire US like you know when DraftKings or FanDuel spending more than like you know Coke and Chevrolet and and Budweiser and, uh, Nike and whatever that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be getting a lot of attention for doing so. And with attention comes scrutiny and, uh, and, and with scrutiny, you know, you've got to make sure that your business is really tight and I'm just not sure that everyone is quite to that point yet in these markets. I think they're trying to be, but, uh, the U S market, are still very new and there's a lot of focus on land grab and acquisition. And I think that comes, that has primacy uh above things like being careful about problem gambling or um you know making sure that you're you're you know basically perfect in in a lot of ways <laughs> that they need to do. Uh we had a an article on Sports Handle, one of our sites just the other day uh about how sportsbook advertising has become the top category for radio stations. Yeah. In, uh, in New Jersey and elsewhere. I'm not sure if you saw that article, but um, it was very interesting by uh, Jeff Edelstein. It came out on May 13th on Sports Handle. I, I highly recommend it for uh, more reading on this topic. But uh, I think that you, we will reach this point of saturation. It might have already been reached in some places. Uh, I, I heard from uh, David Purdom from ESPN tweeted out the other day that his fishing guide. He's out in Colorado on vacation, and his fishing guide uh, was complaining about how the sports betting ads are just nonstop, and he can't take it anymore. And uh, and I've heard this from other people. <laughs> I live in Georgia, so I, I don't experience this. We have basically no sports betting ads here. Uh, I, I'm very, si- I'm, very- I'm
0: sitting here in New Jersey, and it's constant. I I, I see online poker commercials. Believe it or not.
3: And you haven't, you haven't, I mean, it's not like it's new there either. You've had online sports betting for three years and you've had online casinos and poker for eight years now in New Jersey. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you're still experiencing that up there, um, then it's not just places like Colorado that have fairly new markets. So I, I am concerned that eventually people get annoyed and start complaining or that it attracts too much government scrutiny and, I, I do think that the operators will respond well to this, but what I worry about is something like what happened with Daily Fantasy. It wouldn't be the same kind of issue. What happened with Daily Fantasy is we had this, this broadly unregulated product that, uh, I think the, the big operators at the time were, were really doing a good job of running like strong, careful products and doing a decent job with game security and all that, but, it wasn't their top priority the way it would be if there were huge legal consequences or the possibility of losing their license if they were non compliant. And so, um, of course, like I just said before, marketing kind of was prime was primary above everything else. And, um, they got themselves into hot water by attracting too much attention to themselves and not being prepared for a scandal, which eventually broke out when, You know, in some ways, it was a silly scandal, but it was an employee of one of the operators won a big tournament on another operator, and there were sort of some suspicions of uh, impropriety. I think that what actually happened was pretty innocuous, but um, it didn't look that way to the public, and it didn't look that way when the New York Times was writing it up and and so on and they just they weren't prepared to deal with that and uh they were fortunate they were able to get a strong lobbying effort and get regulations in a bunch of states and and survive as businesses we see FanDuel and DraftKings doing great today but uh it might not have turned out so well and i think uh with sports betting now it's not going to be something like that because they are regulated products it's not going to be that nobody's trying to be compliant but uh, where's the regulation, for example, on problem gambling? Uh, you know, how, how far are we going in all of these different various states that are each basically like individual countries to make sure that we don't go overboard with, uh, with the advertising side while ignoring the potential damage? And we've seen already with the gambling industry in the U.S. how this can play out poorly. Um, state of Illinois is a good example with their video gaming terminals, BGTs. Uh, there have been massive, massive problems because they've allowed them to go largely unchecked. Uh, they're they're sitting around in a bunch of rural parts of the state in these, you know, just gas stations and truck stops and whatever. And, and a lot of people have lost a lot of money on these things. And it's largely, uh, you know, created a lot of negative perceptions about gambling in the state. And uh, and it has caused a lot of problems there and we could see that happen in more places around the country if the operators don't get ahead of these issues. So yeah, I do worry like uh, if we just only spend money on marketing, because that's what we're incentivized to do, because if we don't do it, someone else will, and we'll just lose the market. If if that's the primary focus for everybody, uh, we're going to run into problems eventually.
0: You know when people hear about deals like the Better Collective Action Network deal, they get excited about sports betting and they get to thinking, what's next for the industry? Where do you see the sports betting industry going in two thousand twenty one?
3: I think that I think that we'll see more states. Uh, I think we'll always just keep seeing more states for now. we're still in that period. It definitely feels like a bit slower year compared to last year where we had you know Tennessee, and then at the beginning of this year, Michigan, Virginia several big states, Colorado, Indiana last year. Um, I mean it really happened a lot of stuff at once uh, to, to grow the space and I think uh, I think it's not going to be quite that fast, but we will continue to see more markets try to find their approach. I, I think something that's interesting that's um, been pointed out by a few people on Twitter and elsewhere recently. Is that we see more of these states, uh, particularly with, as someone put it, a strong governor or strong executive, uh, trying to do a little bit more to make the markets a little less competitive, which is not, not great for marketers such as myself and not great for consumers either. But, uh, it's, it's governors looking at this or state legislative bodies looking at this more as, as really a simple problem of how to get the state the most revenue Uh, the same way that they look at something like a lottery where it's not focused on allowing businesses to grow or job creation or, or, uh, you know, creating a a strong market. It's not really focused on any of those things. It's really just focused solely on one thing, which is how to get the most revenue for the state. That's the approach that we've seen uh, New York pretty strongly advocate date. Uh, it seems to be the approach that's happening down in Florida as well and I think it's, it's got to concern some people in the industry if, if more of the biggest states take this approach rather than the approach that we've seen in states like New Jersey and Michigan that are a little bit more uh, just market oriented and competitive and focused on you know, job and industry growth. Well, what you're seeing in New York and Florida, the two biggest states that have really tackled this topic at all so far, is much more of a how can we just maximize that state revenue? How can we get you know fifty percent of everything comes in going to the state? So um, I think that that is a trend for everyone to be wary of and to be aware of uh, that it might be going this way. that there are a couple of small states that have done it that have done this kind of more lottery focused approach, Oregon, New Hampshire. but if it becomes the trend, if all the biggest states going forward go this route, uh, it would be troubling for for the prospects of the industry.
0: Adam, we're running out of time. This is usually the time when I tell you to give out a website to keep people up to date about what's going on. But uh, Better, <laughs> Better Collective has so many great websites under their umbrella. G- give us some great Better Collective websites people should check out. Well, I always got a Pump Sports
3: handle and, uh, and U.S. Bets. Uh, those are the sites that I- I'm very directly involved in that, cover industry news so closely, sports handle particularly on the uh, legislative and regulatory side, just covering everything that's going on state by state around the US and then US bets, uh, telling stories about gambling and uh, both casino uh, sports, also poker all around the US. These are great websites, great resources uh, nationally wherever you are to, uh, to follow what's going on in the states. And then of course Rotor grinders if you're interested in fantasy. Uh, come over and check us out. Uh, we've got subscription products that can really help everybody on the fantasy sports side. So, uh, we'd love to have your, <laughs> your traffic anywhere and come in and, uh, come in and visit and see what you like.
0: Adam Small from Better Collective and USBets.com. Thanks so much for coming on and telling us all about the incredible Better Collective Action Network deal. Congratulations to you and everyone at Better Collective. And I can't wait to see what's in store for them next. Please come back on soon and keep us updated. <laughs>
3: Great to be here. Thanks.
0: Well, that'll do it for us this week on House of Cards. If you're going to one of the newly reopened casinos, poker rooms, or sports books, please be safe. We'll see you next time on House of Cards.